Good morning. You know, uh, just a couple years ago, I was trying to convince a young man to come be our youth minister, or at least come interview, and he asked me, is being single okay? And I said, sure, keep, I'll go ahead and apply. Uh, I didn't tell him that our track record was, if you join our staff, you get married pretty quickly. <laughs> and we got to witness the, uh, the marriage of Jonathan and Laura last night. They started celebrating today their honeymoon. And so I know that you want to pray for Jonathan and Laura as they begin this new life together. And we are so excited about Jonathan and Laura uh, being together and serving here together and serving our teens especially. You know, if we ask today if we were grateful people, I think most of us would say yes, right? We would say we are grateful. In fact, part of the reason that we're here this morning is because, and we worship, is because we are grateful people. This time last week, I was holding my two-week-old grandson, looking at him, praying over him. Um, You know what grandparents do, you just keep looking, right? And you're amazed at the creation, and you're so glad he looks like his mother instead of his father. And, and, you are, and you are just, you're thankful. And you know, there's so many things that you can be thankful for, but you know, being a grand, a grand uh, being papa is one of those things that I'm really thankful for. What are you grateful for this morning? And who are you grateful for? When's the last time you expressed that gratitude to somebody? It was just um, a couple months ago that I was, uh, my dad went home to be with Jesus. And as my siblings and I were reflecting on how grateful we were for my father, All our perspectives were a little different about my dad, but all three of us thought of things that we would have liked to have told him thank you for one more time. In fact, those couple days that we were celebrating my dad, many of his students from the College of Pharmacy would come and talk to us and tell us how grateful they were for him, and a few of them wishing that they could just tell him thank you one more time. You know, expressing gratitude is not always easy. Gratitude takes focus and intention and practice and care. Gratitude requires us to be present and aware in in the going-ons around us. In in fact, expressing gratitude must be intentional. I know that most of us are thankful. We're thankful for our spouses and our parents and our friends. We appreciate the bagger at HEB, the waiter at the restaurant. We appreciate the coach of our kid's team. We appreciate our kid's teacher or the coworker that supports us. And we could go on and on about these people that we appreciate. But do we tell them or do we show them? You know, even sometimes our selfish sides communicate ingratitude. I deserve that. I earned that. Or that's your job. You don't need a thank you. Ingratitude often silently communicates that you owed me that. So why would I thank you? Ingratitude stings because it's not neutral. Ingratitude is not easy to point out. In fact, you know, uh, when we were teaching our kids when they were little to be grateful and thankful, you remember at Christmas when they would open a gift from somebody or at a birthday and they'd open a gift and we would try to whisper, but we really couldn't whisper. What are you supposed to say? How are you supposed to say it? Remember your manners. Remember to tell them thank you. And it was that verbal prompt. But you know, sometimes ingratitude is actually expressed verbally. You've been in the situation where you did something for somebody else and instead of saying thank you, They explained how you could have done it better or that you should have picked a different color. But most of the time, ingratitude is just expressed in the absence of words, the absence of recognition, somebody, something for something that we have done that we deserve some recognition for. The odd thing about ingratitude is this. It looms large when you're the victim. 
It's all, when we, it's all we can see when somebody's been ungrateful, but it's completely invisible to the pre, uh, perpetrator. We created a distance through our ingratitude. It's all the other person can see, but we can't see it at all. We're clueless, which is obvious to the other party sometimes, which in the moment makes the pain much worse. Or to put it simply, the recipient is always aware, but the culprit is rarely aware. And with ingratitude, we find it's a whole lot easier to extend generosity and gratitude to grateful people. But as Jesus followers, we're to be full of grace and gratitude always, even to the ungrateful. It's an expression of gratitude, not an emotion or a feeling of gratitude that makes a connection with people. If you're married, I give you some advice. Don't let anyone outgrateful you. What I mean by that is this. Don't be the most grateful person in your loved one's life. Be the most grateful person in lo- your loved one's life because our hearts and their hearts gravitate towards recognition and gratitude. As Luke begins this narrative in Luke 17, he says, Now Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria Maria and Galilee. And if I had a map this morning, I'd show you this area, but it's pretty much a remote, desolate place. And the text says, as he was going to the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Oh, people with leprosy. This was a tough time for them. Basically, they hovered between life and death. They weren't dead, but they weren't really living either. In fact, even worse, they were able to watch everybody else live as they live as the outcast. Leprosy was considered highly contagious Muscle weakness, especially in the hands and feet, enlarged uh, nerves, painful, easy, prone to injury. Their bodies would visibly deteriorate over time. And the law actually required that people that had leprosy live on the outskirts of town in a very designated area. And at the times when they approached town and they came towards civilization, they must announce that they were approaching. Lepers often, often created their own communities. They grew their own crops and they survived the best they could. And it would probably come as no surprise to Luke's first century readers that the community of lepers that were kind of living in this area, in this remote borderland between the predominantly Jewish territory of Galilee and the area inhabited by mostly Samaritans. And when Jesus saw them, he called out, and he called back to them, and he first said, go. And I know if they just heard that right there, they were like, that's not what they expected. They've been told to go a lot, like go away, stay away. But Jesus said this, go and show yourselves to the priests, which they must have thought in the beginning, go show them what? There's nothing to show. Besides, the priests aren't all that anxious to see us. Most people aren't. But maybe Jesus had several intents here. According to the law, anyone with a kind of skin disease that has been in quarantine had to go to the local priest and be given the all clear before they could go back into society. It's kind of like our COVID tests. And when Jesus said, go, the implication was by the time that you were going to get there, you're going to get the all clear. Or when the 10 lepers showed up at the priests, they would certainly ask, how did all these 10 lepers get healed? And that would be an unprecedented event, and it would surely be classified as a miracle which, again, would add to Jesus' reputation. It would be impossible to argue that something extraordinary hadn't happened. And 
Their willingness to go before anything had changed would certainly be an expression of faith, wouldn't it? If nothing changed on the way, it would have made fools of the lepers. So there was a lot at stake. There was a lot riding on their, this request to go and see the priest. So Jesus said, go, and they went. Not because it really made any sense, but because Jesus told them to go. And you probably remember what happened next. And they obeyed, and they went, and they were cleansed along the way. We throw around this idea of walking by faith a lot these days. Maybe these lepers are a great answer to what it means to walk by faith. They responded to the promise and the prompting of Jesus before they knew the outcome. Maybe that's what it means to walk by faith. But then there's a twist in this story, and it's really the reason that we're even talking about this story this morning. One of them, one of those lepers, when he saw he was healed, he turned around and he came back. He turned around, he returned, he came back, the text says, praising God in a loud voice, and he literally threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He walked right up to Jesus and fell at his feet. He was not content just to feel grateful. He had to demonstrate it, he had to express it. And think about it, as much as he was ready to get back to living amongst the living, as much as he wanted to see his family, as much as he wanted to put this leprosy behind him, he knew that he had to stop and show gratitude. After all, Jesus had given him his life back. So he did what we all need to do. He went back to thank the one who had enabled him to move forward. He went back to thank the one who enabled him to move forward. Luke, talking about this leper, said, and he was a Samaritan. And the implication may be that the other nine probably weren't, but this man, this man had experienced alienation and discrimination on multiple levels in his life. He was extra grateful, and I think the reason for him, uh, Luke adding this seemingly unimportant detail may be that Luke wrote in his Gospels, as we read it through the whole Gospel, of all these encounters Jesus had with people in the first century that would have never that people would have never thought Jesus would have hung around with or been with. But this incident doesn't stop or end here. Jesus asked a question. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? The nine, where are they? And of course, Jesus isn't really trying to get an answer here. He's just making a very stinging observation. Something is missing. Someone is missing. Some ones are missing. Apart from Jesus, they'd gone to spend the rest of their lives in the middle of nowhere, but they have now been restored to their families and to their children. They could work again, they could worship again, but where are they? And if you're like me, our response to this story would be this way, where are those nine guys? Where did they go? But before we judge too harshly, I imagine if one of us had asked one of those nine Why were you so ungrateful? They would have quickly answered, Oh, we were so grateful. Our hearts were filled with gratitude. But their problem was, like us sometimes, they didn't express it. And Jesus, like us, was baffled. And he asked, Has no one returned? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Only one returner? Then he turned back to the one who had returned and said said to him once again, Rise and go. And of course, this is the second time he told him to go. And his final statement to him was, your faith has made you well. As we talk about this this morning, unexpressed gratitude 
really does communicate ingratitude. There's no neutral ground. And our feelings just don't count because our feelings don't connect. Our feelings of gratitude don't fulfill. We have to express it. Telling other people how gratitude, how grateful we are for someone else doesn't count either. Even if that person overhears us, and if you're married, you know that there's a tendency to do this sometimes. Bragging on your spouse to other people in front of a spouse, but never bragging to your spouse, to him or her privately, never expressing gratitude to them directly, that just doesn't work. And ingratitude feels like rejection in relationships so often. Unexpressed gratitude has the same effect in people in a relationship as rejection. It can create distance. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance, real or imagined. Appreciation feels like acceptance. In fact, the message of ingratitude is this. I could have done this without you, so I don't really owe you anything. So let's take one more look at the encounters with Jesus with the lepers. Let's be the one who continued to go back and fall at the feet of Jesus and thank the one who has enabled us to go forward. Can we be the one who is full of gratitude? Let's be the one who makes a habit to go back to the people who have allowed us to move forward in our lives. Let's decide, let's make up our minds to be the one who goes back to say thank you, to write the note, send the text, make the phone call. Why not make it a habit in our lives to go back to the people who have allowed us to be at this point and to move forward? So here's the question. Who helped you move forward? Who helped you get to this point? Have you thanked them recently? I mean, sure, you pay them. You married them. Sure, it's your mom, right? But have you expressed your gratitude lately? You may feel it when you think about it, but have you expressed it? And if not, why not? And could it be that, in fact, we're more like the nine and the one sometimes, that we took what was given to us, got distracted by the new opportunity, the new freedom, the new recognition, and we just went on our merry way without going back to say thank you? No, even in our prayers, we spend a lot of time making petitions, which is great. But let's make sure that our prayers are full of thanksgiving and gratitude as well. Let's be the ones who continually go back to God and say, for all that you've done, I will thank you. And if somebody told your story, or when somebody tells your story, will you be the story of the one or the story of the nine? And here's the good news. We get to decide. Gratitude that we feel but don't express is simply ingratitude by another name. So let's get in the habit of being grateful. Today, Let's decide to be the one. Let's stand and sing.